Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Beakless Mountaineer. And Mark. Ian Freeman has the night off. He's going to spend a lovely holiday evening with his new wife. And he should. Yes. Uh, Absolutely, considering. And she should make cookies. She should. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Have you had her snickerdoodles? Uh, I have not, because I've been on the diet. Mm. If you will. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I dropped about 30 pounds last year in the first three months of the year. Uh, I'm up like seven from that because I sort of got from off the, uh, from the 30 from the low from the low. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm up like seven because I got off the diet around the turkey day. Yep. And, you know, had stuffing and cookies and yep. potatoes. It's holidays. And Some things are just worth and it. Rice and, you know, pasta. Like, I know that's not turkey day stuff, but I'm like, well, if I'm off the diet, when I'm, are you going back? On the diet. Well, I'm kind of half back on it right now. The thing that I'm that I haven't done is quit the drinking. The mm-hmm. drinking seems to like uh, interfere with the weight loss. So, oh yeah. So if I continue eating the the That's style, why I quit drinking. <laughs> the style that I that I have, I can maintain the weight loss, mm-hmm. but I don't continue to lose. It's only when I quit the drinking that I continue to lose. So I'm just going to sort of muddle through the holidays here. Yeah. I'm sort of on the diet until we'll I think call that's it fair. Christmas. So you want to quit drinking so you can be a loser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one time in my life, I set out to be a loser. <laughs> and uh, I and it begins I, by stopping I alcohol. I actually succeeded. So like, if you set out to become a loser and you succeed, have you failed? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Did you find headaches were an issue when you began drinking again? I, I had none of that. Okay, uh, in fact, I expected my tolerance to be lowered mm. because, well, I have a kind of a high tolerance being the type of person that I am, rock and roll guy. I've been drinking since I was 12 years old, basically, uh, and uh, I've obtained a pretty high tolerance. There's not a whole lot of people. Peakless and I have gone drink for drink at, uh, <laughs> at uh, Porkfest. Peakless Pork Fest. is one of the biggest men I've ever met in my life. He, he, and He can keep up with me. And muscles and, and bone, um, you know, just handle alcohol better. Yeah. So but I, I think, but I I think, think I if you can go drink him. for drink with Peakless. No, I think I got him. You're beating I'm, men of it, a greater. I, he, he does actually have me by a little, which is saying something. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's I got, saying I got like maybe, a lot. Maybe like one, uh, you know, if it's a you know scale of one to ten. You and, see, I out drank everyone in Colorado, had to go out source my competition <laughs> to the uh, state with the number one alcohol sales per per per, per well, person so in no, the that's why they can't legalize cannabis <laughs> in, in wisconsin like uh keg parties are so popular even like before kids go to college and that kind of a thing that like you go to these keg parties and there's three four five ten kegs depending on the party that you go to and so then uh, I I go to Minneapolis for audio engineering, right? I stayed there for a couple, two, three years. But, like, the drinking culture is still there, too. Uh-huh. I moved to Seattle, and the first year that I'm there, I get invited to, like, a New Year's party. And it's at some, like, bike courier service. It's a garage underneath a building where they've just sort of moved everything out of the way. And they're like, yeah, we're going to have, like, three bands here, and, and, and there will be beer. And I'm like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, the, the keg is going to be set up. And I'm like, I'm sorry, keg? <laughs> right. right singular and like yeah and of course they ran out right like shocking right like, and they know but no knew no different <laughs> but like it was myself and a couple other dudes who moved with me from the midwest who yep. were all avid drinkers by you know 22 23 years old however old we were when i when i moved there and uh 
every, like all the other people who are drinking are like, there's some people passed out. There's a girl puking because she had two beers or whatever. And the three of us are just standing there after our like tenth beer or something, going, <laughs> 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 pointing at everybody, laughing at them. Look at these lightweights, yeah. right? you know, kind of a thing. So there's definitely a drinking culture doing involved. that alcoholic laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, alcohol interferes with weight loss, at least for me personally, mm. uh, and so uh, among other things, right? But what it does is it actually interrupts the body's uh, ability to either get into ketosis if you're going with the keto, yep. or uh, its ability to burn fat uh, because it just sort of interrupts all the other processes. Your yep. body will take the alcohol and process it first yep. before doing anything else, and so it needs to sort of the liver needs to go to work so. immediately on that, right? Yep. Free Talk Live this year won the most prestigious award in radio. Uh, sorry for all the Marconi winners out there. Uh, this was the Freedom of Speech Award. Mm. Now, um, you know, maybe the Mar- Marconi is more prestigious. It's possible. Depends on what you decide yeah. what prestige is. But it's certainly not as exclusive as the Freedom of Speech Award. Yeah, for me, it's the Freedom of Speech Award. And then when you told me that uh, Ian was going to be presented this award for his work at Free Talk Live, uh, I went and looked at the list of people who've been awarded it prior to him. That's some that's some good company. Yeah, yeah Howard Stern, Rush Limbaugh, the, yeah. you know, the biggest names. Um, I received it on Ian's behalf, yep. and when they gave it out, um, he said that you know he gave it to Free Talk Live, to you know to Ian to Free Talk Live, and he would have given it to Mark if I hadn't refused it. Right. Right. And I did refuse it. I wanted Ian to receive the award solely. And, and as well he should. I, I agree with your decision. However, <laughs> um, I since Free Talk Live received it, I'm a bit more vain than, than Ian, and I know it. So I'm what? in the process Probably right now. Probably a wise decision not to take the, the award then. <laughs> so I'm in the process right now, and I, I, I want to know what your feedback is on right. this, of designing myself my own ring trophy, like <laughs> a Super Bowl ring, as it were. <laughs> and... I just want to know what you know. How do I justify this? How do oh. I make make myself not look quite as vain? Like I'm very proud of winning this award, and it's the most prestigious. I thought award. we all agreed you didn't win this award. <laughs> Free Talk Live won it, and therefore by uh, proxy, all of us okay. have won it. So, so here, here's what you do: is you just make a miniature version of the award that's uh-huh. the size of a ring. Ooh, it's, I like it. The award itself is that just way, that a, way. It's like it's like. It's the consolation prize off the game show, right? You get the home version. <laughs> the, the prize itself is just basically one of those uh, hexagonal pieces of, uh, you know, glass yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, in it, it in and of itself isn't the kind of thing right. that would be particularly noticeable. But the, the award has been given to some, you know, very uh, close-knit people. And I'm just... I don't know. I'm doing it, and I want to know, you know, how do I justify this to uh, to people? 603-283-6160 if you have no any justifi- ideas for Mark. There's no justification for anything that you do. But <laughs> that being said, if it were me, I would call up the people that are, that are always uh, trying to convince you to get a class ring and be like, here's what I want. I need it hexagonal. I need it to have yep. these words printed on it, and I want this, 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 and this gemstone like this. Because uh, why not? That's precisely what I did. <laughs> and and what you may want to do too to sort of limit the uh, the vanity even though you've already said hey I'm pretty vain about this kind of thing is just you know make several of them and award them to you know other free talk live co-hosts if you will. Oh they aren't cheap. We actually have Dave Ridley of Ridley Report on with us Dave. You're on Free Talk Live. 
So I have this theory that in civil resistance or civil protest or whatever, distance can be a magnifier. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm uh, in Colorado right now visiting, so I can't be at the trial in Concord of, of, uh, of Ian. Uh, so I'm just going to walk down to, I guess you guys have a demonstration scheduled on Monday around 445. Correct. Yeah. It's supposed to kick off at 5 PM at the courthouse in Concord. All that information is at thecrypto6.com. So, uh, I guess I'll just go to my nearest, uh, uh, federal building, federal courthouse and just protest there. Um, please. And I would like to, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said, please do. That's uh, an excellent idea. Uh, in fact, if there are other people who, for whatever reason, cannot be in New Hampshire to attend the, you know, we'll, it's the closest thing we have to an official protest for the Crypto Six trial is on Monday. Uh, please, you know, show up at your local FBI office, your local federal courthouse. Uh, you know, bring a sign, protest. You know, call press, all that kind of thing. I'm yeah, against showing up at your I... local FBI office. For the record, just on, on principle. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, any, I just I wanted to re- request, uh, yeah, other folks to, to do this if they've got time. Uh, go go to you know I guess the nearest federal courthouse or whatever. So are you in, um, are you in Denver or? I'm in Colorado Springs. Oh, okay. Because I know Denver has yeah, the largest fusion center in the in the country. That's too bad. It really is. And for those listeners no. not aware of what a fusion center is, uh, because of nine eleven, they figured you know. All of these different government agencies just can't talk to each other well enough, so we need to have specialized centers to make sure that we're completely keeping an eye on everyone all the time. Another place for information to get lost. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to be stored and then dug up on you the next time anybody in the federal government needs you know, some reason to point at you. Right. They can reach back into your past decades ago and point out, you know, this little thing that has really no relevance to whatever's going on now and go, see? Ha-ha. Yep. <clears throat> Running torture chambers isn't enough. They have to suck the local lake dry, like in Utah, I guess, to to, to uh, run their supercomputers, uh, to cool their supercomputers that are, that are watching us. Yeah, I remember that was such a great story of complicity because... If the state just decided, you know, we're not going to give you the water that it takes to cool the supercomputer to spy on every American citizen all of the time, they could have. They almost did. But no, they're going to keep providing that water. They're going to keep helping their, well, their owners. If you went to public school, I know I did. Uh, there were some kids who were, we'll just say, more challenged at learning than, than others, at least within, you know, this sort of factory environment of schools. And so... Uh, the public school system thought, why, it'd be a great idea if we just took those types of kids and put them in their own separate special school, right? Uh, this is known as many things, depending on the time in which you were brought up as a child. Uh, but uh, I think the politically correct term is uh, a gifted school. No, I don't think I think no. gifted suggests something different. I think-, I think it does, too. But I think that they've fallen under like that type of a moniker recently. But I don't know. I would. So they usually divided into special needs and gifted and talented. Right. And it's only been recently that gifted and talented is considered to be special needs, which kind of duh. Like obviously, right. if you if you are difficult to challenge, you have special needs. But when I was growing up, uh, you know the the eight to ten year olds uh, who had to go to this school, you know, if they were in regular school and they they disappeared, like where did Bob go? And they're like, oh, he's at the uh, the retarded school. 
right? That's what the, the eight to ten year olds called it. Now the special school, the uh, you know whatever whatever the terminology is, you know I'm using non political politically correct terminology to describe this because well, uh, just to be clear, I have a picture uh, that I've saved on my computer just for these instances yeah. of uh, President Kennedy mm-hmm. standing in front of a sign for like the school the school for retarded kids mm-hmm. or something like that because at one point. We use terminology. Retarded was a step up from the right. terminology that was used at right. the time. It was it the was, correct, politically correct yes. terminology to refer to special needs students. Right. To what at the time before that they called morons, idiots, and uh, you know imbeciles. a variety of imbeciles right. and a variety of terms. Which they actually had a technical definition for how uh, below average you were would uh, With each qualify one. you as an idiot, a moron, or an imbecile. Right. Right. And so, Which one are you? I'm an idiot, not yeah. a moron or an imbecile, though. And so there was a time when retarded was the, the medical terminology yeah. for this thing. It was like saying you have influenza instead of the flu, right? The, the, that was the politically correct term for a period of time. Well, and, man, the, the terms used to be so much better. Because, okay, so even retarded, it literally means held back or slowed. Right. And slow is the perfect terminology for all of this. Like, there's quick people. And slow people. And that really is... So there's two major parts of intelligence. There's how uh, what they call crystallized intelligence, which is uh, how much information you can you know hold in your head and access uh, easily. So and, what that's... Is that... Uh, that's like the hard drive, right? Right, right Hard right. drive size. Retention. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And then there's one that's uh, basically your processor speed. Right, uh, so your RAM your Yeah, RAM your size, RAM and, right. your, and yeah. your processor, which yeah. is uh, what they call fluid intelligence, which is just literally how quick you are at thinking. I had COVID a couple of years ago, and I got the brain fogs from it, and it has – I've probably clawed my way somewhere between a half and three quarters of the way back from where I was. Mm. Now, it's worth pointing out, I was brilliant before, and it was brilliant <laughs> after. It's just that trying to get from the lower level of brilliance back to the higher level of brilliance uh, is frustrating. So what mm. I found is no medical treatment worked. Um, I, more or less, I had to do a whole variety of different things. There was, you know, I took some, uh, some, uh, antihistamines for a little supplements. while supplements, certainly yeah. a variety, I didn't think the mushrooms did anything, but, right. uh, you know, they wanted me to take mushrooms and I've done wait, a bunch wait, of different, wait, 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 now are we talking lion's mane or, uh, oh, okay. Lion's mane specifically, not psilocybin. <laughs> um, but I, I would do wonder whether psilocybin would allow me to re- rewire some things. Yeah, or You might or do consider like, like just a microdosing regimen for a short period of time. See if that helps. I right. I really hate the experience of it would have to be very micro micro doses. Yeah. I don't like that feeling right. that comes from it. I have tried microdoses of psilocybin in the past. I don't like it. Okay, but either way, I also did you know anaerobic excuse me aerobic exercise yeah. in order to increase blood flow in the brain. Right, and well, and uh, uh, oxygenation uh, uh, makes the nervous tissue grow faster. Right, uh, it's actually a thing that they found to be a problem in uh, when they have to hook someone up to oxygen. Is if you do it too much, uh, your nervous system can actually overgrow and cause problems because it's growing too much in one area or ways that it shouldn't grow. Interesting. Yeah. So oxygen. Yeah. Yep. Oxygen it, it promotes uh, it promotes nervous tissue growth. Well, I have done a lot of this uh, square breathing. Uh, mm. This is like four seconds on the intake, five sec, uh, sure. eight seconds to hold it, and then four seconds on the exhale. And 
so maybe I'm getting more oxygen that way. I can tell you to make you lightheaded. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but, Are you uh, getting enough protein? Oh, I have, there's no problem in the consumption of uh, animal products in okay. my life. I right. just eat a like, lot of them. Like like some people don't get like like protein will actually enhance your cognitive abilities. If you're not getting enough and you up your intake, it can increase your cognitive abilities because your brain feeds on that. Yeah, but I pretty much abandon science and I'll take any piece of advice at this point <laughs> and then try it. So it's marketfreetalklive.com for your loony uh, brain growth uh, ideas. We have Bad Slave calling from New Hampshire. Bad Slave, you are on Free Talk Live. I've uh, been listening to some of the uh, First Amendment audit recorders out there. Sure. And, uh, you know, find find them interesting. And, and one of the things I'm finding is that, uh, you know, they, they've arranged it so that there's no reason for any of these LEOs, law enforcement officers, to actually uh, need uh, to ID you. Uh, Because, you know, if you're not committing a crime or, you know, show great evidence that that crime has been committed, then uh, there's no, there's, you no reason for them to give you an ID. Yeah, one of our uh, one of our co-hosts, uh, Joa, he's a First Amendment auditor, and uh, he's on. I'm trying to remember what day he's on. Wednesdays, Thursdays. I don't remember. Uh, but uh, he does. He talks about with regards to identification. When an LEO asks you to identify yourself, the only thing you're required to do is give a name. You're not required. It depends on your state. Well, and this okay. is not legal advice. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, some of the things that I've learned from him is that, uh, depending on your state, of course, uh, that that means uh, just giving up your name. It doesn't even have to be, like, your full name. Just be like, Giving I'm your name Bob. is identifying yourself. Right. Identify yeah. yourself, sir. I am Mark Edge. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean pulling out some sort of a state-issued document, you know, a driver's license, a passport, something like that. Anyway, go ahead. Like, you know, a lot of times they just give a first name. But but the point is that, you know, if you look beyond the pale, beyond the interaction, you know, what actual positive benefit can anyone receive by giving that information? By Because they make an entry in a database. <laughs> right. and they're, well, if know, they do, sometimes it's just to take control of the situation. Um, if you've got, you know, somebody who they, you know, for whatever reason, they're they don't like what they're doing, but it's not illegal. Mm-hmm. You ask for identification. If the Leo asks for identification, then now they've got the person doing the thing that they asked them to do. If they have to dig in their wallet and pull out a, a you know, a card and show it to them and that kind of thing. Right. It just kind of diffuses the situation by their standard. Yeah, I mean, the the one benefit, like, if you are driving and you don't give them a driver's license, you will be in trouble. I just want to take a minute here to reach out to everybody involved in any way, shape, or form with the New Hampshire Liberty Movement, with Free Talk Live, and with cryptocurrency as it relates to freedom and liberty. The time has come to cash in the favor. If Ian Freeman and Free Talk Live have done you a solid by allowing you to 
talk about your product, your service, or your activism on this radio station, if they've had you come in as a guest, if they've had you call in to talk about any of that, if they have attended your protest or your organized events regarding freedom, if he has helped Provided you, you with free downloads for two decades. <laughs> any of that kind of a thing. If Free Talk You feel Live, gratitude. If you feel gratitude to Ian Freeman, I implore you to join us Monday, the 12th, at the Concord uh, Federal Building, where the Federal Courthouse is. The address and directions can be found at thecrypto6.com. We would love to see freedom-oriented people in support of Ian Freeman at his trial. He's facing still yet up to 70 years. Is that right? Well, it's hard to quantify, but I'd say that's about right. But that would be the max if they decide to come down harsh. So here is a person that, as far as I can tell, uh, has never done anything outside of the non-aggression principle, who has gone out of his way. A genuinely generous man. A genuinely generous man who's gone out of his way to help build the infrastructure for liberty here in New Hampshire. That is all the support he's thrown behind the Free State Project, the larger liberty migration that's going on here, any of the protests that have happened, anybody else who's been in, in trouble, any of the other activists that he's helped. I'm calling on you. I'm cashing in your favorite chip to come and show support for Ian Freeman on Monday. Now, you're like, oh, but that's only two days away, Captain. Well, okay, but you know what? Did he help you? Did he give you some sort of support? Are you, you know, do you feel like he has given you assistance and that like something you could do to help him out is just show up for the protest when we know that media have been invited and show your support for freedom here in New Hampshire? Uh, yes, you can do that. You can get on a plane. You can book an Uber. I did. You can, you know, there, there are I things have no that you particular reason to be in New Hampshire right now in this godforsaken cold. And I am here for the. Two, three weeks that I put aside three weeks to be yep. here uh, f to support Ian in whatever way I can, whether it's running the show or going to his trial. I'm trying to going to try to be there every day. I haven't been there every day, but, uh, you know, I've had some things to sure. do, but I'm, I'm working for Ian in the process. Right. Um, and that's all is, is that I know that this is a difficult time for him yep. and I'm going to be there and, and support him when the jury sees. All those people. And at this point, all that matters is the jury, right? right? They see all those people. They say, how can this guy be bad? This is, you know, frankly, if you, well, I was there the first day, mm -hmm. right? And the bailiff said, there's an overflow courtroom on the other side right. so that you can see and you don't have to wear your mask. But I've never seen so many people that the courtroom A, as it were, where everything's going on. Uh, I think it was one, and then this was two, or two and one. I'm not entirely yeah. sure. It doesn't really matter what two and one. Were. Yeah, they uh, that it's full. He's like it's full, and he has never seen it. This is a bailiff. He doesn't look young. Yeah. I don't have any idea when he started working at the court courthouse. I didn't ask him right. that question, but presumably he's been there for years, and this is the fullest he's ever seen that courtroom. And it's all over white collar nonsense. Yeah. I mean, it's not even like there's no victim here. They're not they they. You know, the banks were listed as the victims. The banks made money. Oh, they sure did. Yeah. And I, I don't like the, mm, I don't know what the right word is, the mm, sort of the rope-a-dope switch that the, the court pulled uh, over the last month or so with uh, 
Like there have been other things that have been held at, at the federal court building and uh, masks were no longer required and have mm. been required in, in over a year. And all of a sudden, for this particular trial... Now there's uh, masks required if you want to sit in the in the main room, and if you don't want to wear a mask, they're just going to segregate you to the little kiddies table in the, in this other room. <laughs> and yep. I'm like, That's- which they didn't even unlock for us, for the record. Really? Oh yeah, no, we had to like we went into the main court because yeah. they had they said, okay, here's where your overflow room is, which was another courtroom. We go to the overflow courtroom, and it's still locked, so we had to go to the first one. A lot of times, the overflow is empty so i can understand why they just aren't opening it up I- i'll tell you about the masks yeah. um so here's what happened i can't say what happened before the jury was selected but yeah. when the jury was selected the judge who appears to not want to wear masks the plant yeah um i think it's <laughs> joe Laplante. it's so weird that his name is the plant <laughs> <laughs> he he d- would prefer not to wear masks but he said if any jurors are more comfortable with masks will all meaning everybody in the courtroom Wear masks. Now, the uh, the person giving testimony doesn't. Right. And the uh, lawyers, when talking, right. don't. Right. But those are the only times you're allowed to be maskless, other than like sort of scratching your nose or something, drinking some water. We were talking to Perry from yeah. Canada. Go ahead, Perry. I'm from California. I was thinking about this debt that we're in. We're over $31 trillion in debt. <laughs> One of the things we can... The American people, we, we, we're going to be taxed for that. The politicians have spent uh, so exorbitantly that they claim that the American people are $31 million, or trillion dollars in debt. Yes. Right. Um, one of the things we can do, there's many things we can do, but one of the things we can do is all Americans, when you take your vacation, take it somewhere in this beautiful country. We have 50 beautiful states. We should be making us stronger right now at this point in time because of our situation. How does taking a vacation within the United States help the national debt? Well, because we're spending money at restaurants and hotels and who knows. The the point is we're spending – we're putting people to work in America. Well, I'm I'm for – I get the idea that you're talking about, but I don't think that affects the debt. Really? Well, it does because people can have more money to pay taxes. But anyway, that's, no, it's, it's not, it's not about people not paying tax. That's not what the debt is. Um, the debt is literally the politicians spending more money than they have. So if you give, if, you know, the the premise here is is that it, the only thing that I can see would make it work is somehow voluntarily giving more, or at the very least, voting to increase taxes. And if you did that, then they're just going to spend more than that, too, because they've never been held accountable. Um, you know, oh, they're, they're never, ever going to be held accountable. Now, I well, don't think it's a bad idea to plan trips in the United States and spend money in the U.S. Sure, yeah. in order to, if you, you know, if you're of the opinion that this is somehow going to, you know, give Americans jobs and these sorts of things. By the way, Mexicans need jobs and, you know, Europeans need jobs and everybody needs jobs. But well, right now, I'm saying for right now until we get ourselves more straight. straight you're never going to get us straight until somebody holds the people in Washington D.C. accountable. Which is the reason that we have a recession right now is um, the the policies of the politicians in Washington D.C. It full on there needs to be some accountability held. I'm still not against. I don't think it's a bad idea what you're suggesting. Right. It's just not going to do anything to hold them accountable. Accountability is accountability. 
spending money within the country is spending money within the country, and they're not related. Right. It's like hitting myself in the foot with a shovel for your mortgage. <laughs> These two things aren't connected. We've got Alu Axelman calling from New Hampshire. Alu, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. I agree with Perry that libertarians should vacation within the United States. I think libertarians should take a vacation to New Hampshire, see how beautiful and amazing and kick-ass it is, and then move here and stay here. That's what I did. Um, but other than that, no, I, I do not agree, agree. with him um, on everything else he said as far as um, helping the debt. I see where he's going with it, but like Mark said so well, even if they made more money from more tax receipts, because they actually have more tax receipts than ever before, right. the federal government revenue from taxes, but they're just going to spend more and more. Um, it's kind of laughable that he thought we could ever get out of debt. Um, oh, we just have to get um, uh, more revenue or spend less. It's never going yeah, to happen. It seemed like we'll he was arguing like for like some things we can do while we're figuring out how to get out. Like nobody's really trying to figure out how to get out of this mess. In fact, all they're doing is making the mess worse. Yeah, real quick, yeah. Uh, Mark, you were talking about accountability. How is that possible? Like, you talk about uh, uh, holding our politicians accountable as if it was a thing that could happen. I don't believe that it's a thing that one can do, but I think it's worth a shot for the uh, muggles out there listening, so many of them, to give it a shot. Like, try a little bit of accountability on a politician, see how that goes, live in that space for a few years, and then you'll probably happens. come to the conclusion that, like I have, that Washington, D.C., Beijing, Moscow, are so corrupt, so utterly unfixable, that at some point or another we just have to divorce ourselves from the emotional uh, connection we have. Because I... Very well said by Mark. Yeah. I, I agree that the secession is the only solution from the D.C. empire. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I think you can <laughs> secede any day. Right. Um, anytime you want, you just get in a plane and you go where you want and find the more freedom in your life and whatever works for you on an individual basis. But if you're talking about making a statement, particularly to uh, the empire or empires that exist, uh, I think a large group of people getting together and announcing their divorce uh, is a swell idea. Yeah. Perry talked about uh, there's, there's uh, no place uh, that has total freedom. Yeah. Uh, so Perry talked about how to solve the debt, and it's like, okay, uh, I had no choice in it. I told you not to do it, and you didn't listen. How about instead of that, I start using good currency? I just wrote a book a few weeks ago. I published it called Taxation is Theft, and it's got everything, the who, what, when, why, where, and the history of taxation. My and favorite the, acronym, the too. Explains, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it explains <laughs> how to uh, eventually abolish taxation in a pretty realistic way. And obviously, secession is very much involved in the book because most of the taxes we pay are federal. And we don't get that much money back. For those of our listeners who don't know, I know that you're a rather prolific author. You've written a bunch of stuff, articles and books. Where can folks find your stuff? Amazon's the easiest way to find them. Look for my name, Alu Axelman, A-L-U, Axelman, um, on my website, libertyblock.com and aluaxelman.com. But also find me. If you're in New Hampshire, if you're not here yet, get here. Um, If you're in New Hampshire, I always have copies on me in my car and stuff. So just find me. You'll get a better price and a, a personalized signed copy. All right. What else was on your mind tonight? Well, I wanted to talk to my friend Sarah about bipolar. So bipolar is literally the old term for what was now called by medicine uh, manic depressive. Mm -hmm. It literally means that people have cycles, usually a few days at a time or weeks, of of manic, which is mania, which is um, super hyper happy, and then depression. depression. So uh, manic depressive is is bipolar. Um, And many people, unless they have super ultra severe manic depressive, these people can hold jobs. And if they are very severe, they can have medications. I've known many people... Uh, who have had jobs very easily, even though they have manic depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's the first thing I wanted to say that Sarah. But I also wanted to touch on, on mental illness in general. 
um, I and my family and my, you know my dad's a, a therapist for most of his career earlier on in his career um, and a lot of others have some experience with mental health. Um, what's interesting is that mental illness is a very broad term and it describes both severe and mild mental illness. By mild mental illness, I mean anxiety, depression, OCD, ADHD, PTSD, things that, that in general people can, can live rather normally with, right. with or without medication or therapy. Um, but as far as the government's concerned, especially with gun control or red flags or other things, they'll say, oh, people with mental illness shouldn't have guns, which sounds, again, it sounds like it makes sense until you think about it for a second and you realize that according to the CDC themselves and Lord Fauci and the government, they say around 50% of adults, over 50% of adults in the United States have uh, some form of mental illness. Right. And by over 50, they um, mean 99. Right. Well, but yeah, and at 50%, yeah. as soon as... You say, well, mentally ill people shouldn't have guns, which I understand the statement. Yeah. Um, when, when, when you say that, then suddenly the authority that decides whether or not one is mentally ill will decide that everybody who isn't a cop, soldier, uh, security guard, or whatever. Right. Or the ones telling them what to do. Can't Mark, you, you own a gun. have an even better point than you think you have. Um, like I mentioned in my, my previous book, Presumed Guilty, um, that Bonnie's currently doing the narration for. Um, it's not only that, it's that any, they can easily say, the government can easily say, people who don't believe in global warming and corona fascism are anti-science and therefore mentally ill. This is exactly like having a priesthood that tells you whether or not you are possessed by a demon. Uh, you have all of these experts and they will tell you whether you have this invisible ailment of a mental disorder. Right. Uh, and two, people tend to look at mental illness in a fundamentally different way from physical illness. Like, we expect people to recover from physical illnesses, and sometimes that can take years, but it's it's accepted that you can heal from that, and mental illnesses are actually that way. Well, and, uh, right. you know, if, if we want to take it to the clinical definitions, uh, religions, all of them, uh, from a non-religious perspective, would be considered mental illnesses, right? You're, you're hearing voices, things are talking to you, telling things, you believe in beings that you can't prove exist, et cetera, well, and so on. Irreligion from a religious perspective is also mentally ill. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 So, like, it depends on the perspective. So, back to Mark's point, whoever makes the decision of what mental illness is, is the one who gets to force their way upon you. Ellie. Yeah, I'm just stuck on the uh, felons and minors can't have guns. I'm looking at the Second Amendment between the lines and even reading between the lines I cannot find. It's relatively it recently. Um, it was in early the early 1900s that they made it so that felons couldn't uh, carry guns. I mean, you know, frankly, people would get out of jail, get out of prison, and they would have their guns returned to them, and they would leave with leaved armed. You know, if you're able to leave prison, the presumption should be that you're, if you're safe enough to return to society, you're, you should be safe enough to be armed. Right. Now, I can understand in modern society why they don't want somebody handed an AK-47 as they walk out of the prison. I got you. But there should be, it seems to me, mm -hmm. a path that is um, you know, set in, uh, set in place for felons to get their guns back. Yeah. Because if you want a felon to return to society... You want him to find a wife, presumably. You want him to raise a family, presumably. You want him to get a job. You want him to do things. That means he needs to be able to protect that household. Right. Like any other American can. Yeah, I... Like, I'm not, uh, you know, a, a voting guy when it comes to presidential elections and that kind of a thing, but uh, when, uh, you know, somebody gets released from prison, a felon, that type of thing, I think they've paid their debt, right? They're They're getting released. They should... All of their rights should be made whole again. Let's go to Joy calling from Spokane, Washington. Joy, you're on Free Talk Live. 
Hi, it's about the guns. And I just, I don't see the rights argument that everyone should be armed. It sounds like that is um, for them, that's an amendment to, um, or whatever um, policy, it sounds like that's for you too. And, and it's all under freedom. Well, here in Spokane, there was a hoax mm-hmm. called into the high school. So what about those kids? Don't they, shouldn't they have the freedom to go to school and not be frightened out of their heads because someone has called in and said that there's a gun, there's an active shooter in their high school? And that was, it wasn't true. So, but how about the freedom of the kids who go to school, go to a theater, watch a parade, that they have, they're shot down with someone with a gun. Well, my argument uh, for rights, Joy, would be that rights don't exist, like that no right exists that requires something from someone else. So, for instance, my right to freedom of speech, you agree I have that one, probably religion, you know, these sorts of things. These things come internally. Um, No one claims that they have the very few people would claim that they have the right to a gun that you purchased for them. Right. They were going to purchase their own. So they're not requiring anything from anyone else, whereas safety, which can never be provided uh, as long as you live outside of, you know, the the government hasn't made their prisons safe. I am 66 years old. Yes, ma'am. I've lived by myself for years. Uh huh. And I've never felt I needed a gun to keep me safe. Do you, okay. you know, so they have these ads. It's like, oh, have the women. They need their guns. We have this gun culture that just does not make any sense. And I have, I have great nephews. I have nephews. I have brother-in-laws who hunt. And yep. that's fine. But I just do not see when they can show some data that, you know, most of the mass killers are like they're young men uh-huh. well, let's put let's use the data let's use our abilities to think smart like americans can let's use this information and let's put some safeguards where the risk is the greatest you do it when you buy a convertible and you're 16 and you have to pay insurance our current system but, incentivizes madness i mean you, you talk about going to, to public people, schools hang on Joy. I mean, you talk to, about going to public schools, and look, I think there absolutely should be schools out there that say, hey, it is our policy, we do not allow guns on uh, on our campus. And if you want your children to go there because you feel safer having your children there, great. There should also be schools where they say, hey, we teach children about guns. And one of the big things is, if you teach children about guns, they aren't terrifying. But when someone walks in with a gun... What would you like your child, your teacher to do? Well, leave the classroom to chase down the killer or take care of your kids? What Joy, I it, would sounds, do. it sounds like you live in a fantasy world. And that fantasy world is. Listen I to don't. me. My- listen to me, Joy. Three guns for every American. Some people have estimated as high. There's at least two guns for every American. That's 900 million, almost 1 billion guns in the United States. Yep. How do you make them disappear? But if we don't do anything, no answer. then you just stop. Well, all I'm telling you... We've got to do something even if that makes the problem worse. Yeah, the old saying, if you you outlaw... The old saying is, is if you outlaw guns, only outlaws have guns. Well, only governments right? have guns. If you say it's illegal to own a gun, then only people that give a damn what is illegal... 
are going to give no, up their guns. I'm saying, no, I'm not saying it's illegal. I'm just saying I think we can put m- more standards around it. like, like Places like New that- York State, places like Illinois, places Chicago. like Chicago. I mean, the list is long, have all kinds of standards for gun ownership. Well, and they're the most violent way. places in America, Joy. We've got Sean calling from North Carolina. Sean, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, how are you guys tonight? We're good. What's on your mind? Uh, I was talking about Joy. She she kind of missed the nail when she was trying to hit it, when she said that uh, most mass shooters are young men. That is correct. But she missed the other two key indicators that are really big and seldom reported. What are they? One is that they're they are on medication, and two, they are previously known to law enforcement in some sort of manner. And it's a and specific kind of medication too, right? It's a you know mental Correct. health medications, psychiatric medications. Correct. Right. And and those two big things are seldom reported. It's always it's a young, usually white male that does these things, and and usually they got their lately they've been getting their guns legally because the police and the courts are dropping the ball. And not that I'm saying that felons shouldn't carry guns, but they should have a felony record. And they don't because they're dropping the charges. The other thing that I think is very overlooked here is uh, oftentimes people will bring up, where do these kids learn this from? Well, let's see. The government of the United States of America, how do they get their way when they want their way somewhere around the world? They bomb people. They drop bombs and start murdering people. So I wonder where these children are learning this behavior from. hmm? Yep. And, And Joy said she mentioned she was 66 years old. I'm a little bit younger, not by much. But when I grew up in the 60s and 70s and the early 80s, there were kids in high school that would go hunting and show up at school with their kills in their pickup truck and their guns in their pickup truck. Yeah. And there were no mass shootings. Yeah, weird, it's huh? Not, hmm. It's not the tool. Some, go- some schools had shooting tool. ranges. Yes. They had shooting clubs. Yeah, People would bring their there rifles was- to school. Let's go to, we've got Jason Henza calling from Mexico. Jason, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Yeah, I was just calling to comment on uh, what Joyce was talking about. It, it definitely should be every peaceful society goal to disarm themselves voluntarily. Now, when you use coercion with a corrupt government, now you've got a whole other ball game where you're creating this, this really toxic situation where nobody trusts each other, a lot of violence breaks out, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I live in a country where there's a lot of corruption, really strict gun laws, and I was shot here three times. Right. <laughs> and there was no way of defending the property that we were on against what we were what we were up against. We just didn't have the, the arms to do it. So these young men just felt the need, like it was totally fine just to come up and shoot us when, you know, the opportunity – presented itself and then you got the uh, occasional gangs running around the neighborhoods extorting businesses and stuff like that because a lot of these people they either can't afford guns or they can't legally own them so it it creates kind of a problem where you have gangs running wild and the government isn't even strong enough to protect its citizens uh from these gangs yeah i think that it's it's true in the united states too is where they have the most strict gun laws they have a great deal of crime now, I don't know that there's necessarily... Gun the, crime specifically. Yeah, gun crime. I mean, it's like the gun laws aren't working. 
not only are they not working, but they seem to exacerbate the situation. And I, I don't know, I, you know, I don't have a solution for how to make the government more efficient. I know that if you want more efficiency in government, you need to have competition because that's how that works in everything else. If you want better cell phones, you need more cell phone manufacturers. You want better cars, you need more car manufacturers. You want better service from your pest control company, you need more pest control companies. So if you want better service from your government, you need to be able to unsubscribe from one government and and then subscribe to another one. That would be the best way. Yeah, you said it's a different matter when you have uh, corruption from your coercive government. And it's like, okay, compared to what? As far as I know, there has never been an uncorrupt government for the exact reason that you don't have competition. And they are, by definition, coercive. Jason? Very true. They are an extremely coercive government. I just, uh, I don't want to live under that kind of jurisdiction uh, personally, but that's the way it is. Going on uh, to what that the previous caller just called about was the young men, typically white young men, who go on these mass shootings. Yeah. If we notice, we don't gather together as men anymore. Like these men don't see how we age and how to identify with each other. They just feel like lost. They're like a lost generation once they hit about 18, 17 to 25 years old, where they're just going nuts. The whole society's pulling apart and telling them that they're evil. And how the heck are they supposed to, you know, look at themselves in the mirror without going crazy? Let's first go to Ellen, who's calling from Australia. Ellen, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, g'day. I can't believe I actually got through. Um, First time caller. I've been listening for ages. Um, I just wanted to bring up the lovely lady who rang up before um, with her points about firearms and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Being from a uh, sort of semi-communist country that that is Australia right now, we, our firearm ownership is a privilege. It's not a right. However, if you get, if you get done and get charged and put, get put away, um, we don't actually call it felonies in Australia. You have the chance to actually put in for a firearms, uh, firearms license after you get out and it's determined if, um, from that if you're allowed to get it. It's not a blanket ban. Oh, so interesting. So if you got done for a white-collar tri- white crime, you would have all sorts of chance after five years of getting a license back. And this license would be for hunting or perhaps target shooting or something like that. Yes, you, so you can't you, own a gun to, to a, protect yourself. No, we can't, do not have the, council, uh, the castle law in Australia. However, um, we have to have a reasonable reason for us to have firearms ownership. Okay. And do you know a lot of people who yep. have firearms? or Is it common or uncommon? Uh, um, I... It is fairly common. Um, I, I am a firearms owner. Um, I am also in the Australian Defence Force, so don't hold that against me. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, 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 is, it is common, but we don't advertise it. We, don't, we can't carry around what we have. We have to have them locked up in our safes. We can't, and when we have them in the car, we can't have them out. Like we can't have, we have to have the bolt out, for example, locked up. We have to have a trigger lock and all that sort of stuff. Are they ever used to prevent crime? Because that happens all the time here in the United States. And it's so often that it it doesn't even make the news. No? No. No. Are they used to commit crimes? And (laughs) uh, yes, illegal ones are. Yeah. That's the problem with making firearms uh, illegal is is yep. that then the criminals who don't care about the consequences of breaking the law um, are willing to use them, whereas uh, law abiders who 
do care about the consequences aren't prepared. Yeah, and the statistics reliably show that significantly more crimes are prevented with guns in America than are caused with guns in America. That's true. Yeah. So another another thing too, I, I just put my two cents worth in here. Like mm-hmm. If someone has the has the um, what's the what's the word I'm after? Someone has the intent, they will all, also they will always find the means to do it. And so yeah. banning a piece of metal that happens to have something a projectile in it will will not stop these type of things from happening. So a, a mum in northern Australia killed. Twelve of her own children and oh, one of the one of her nieces with a knife. I teased this article, so we should mention it. This is from Smithsonian.org. A spoonful of sugar helps the radioactive oatmeal go down. Uh, when MIT and Quaker Oats paired up to conduct experiments on unsuspecting young boys. Uh, just I'll get a couple of paragraphs out here quickly, and then we'll go back to your calls and thoughts. When Fred Boyce and dozens of other boys joined Science Club at Ferndale State School in 1949, it was more about the perks than the science. Club members scored tickets to Boston Red Sox games, trips off the school grounds, gifts like Mickey Mouse watches, and lots of free breakfasts. But Fernald wasn't an ordinary school, and the free breakfasts from the Science Club weren't your average bowl of cereal. The boys were being fed Quaker oatmeal laced with radioactive tracers. The Fernald State School, originally called the Massachusetts School for the Feeble-Minded, housed mentally disabled children along with those who had been abandoned by their parents. Conditions at the school were often brutal. Staff deprived boys of meals, forced them to do manual labor, and abused them. Boyce, who lived there after being abandoned by his family, was eager to join the science club. He hoped the scientists, in their positions of authority, might see the mistreatment and put an end to it. We didn't know anything at the time, Boyce said of the experiments. We just thought we were special. Learning the truth about the club felt like a deep betrayal. The boys didn't find out the whole story about their contaminated cereal for another four decades. Mm. During a stretch between the late 40s and early 50s, Robert Harris, a professor of nutrition at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, led three different experiments involving 74 Fernald boys aged 10 to 17. As part of the study, the boys were fed oatmeal and milk laced with radioactive iron and calcium. In another experiment, scientists directly injected the boys with radioactive calcium. We've got Crichton calling from Kentucky. Crichton, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, listening to that that article you just read just depresses me. Yeah, right? Hearing that, that was new and on me, too, and I thought I was pretty educated on on the misadventures of government. But I wanted to call in and talk about, you know, the, the topic that's been running is, is guns. Okay. I grew up in a gun-free home. Okay. And when I went in the military and came out, you know, my, my family was like, you're a gun nut now. You know, I buy guns and I had guns. And I still have guns. Um, and I, I bought my oldest daughter her first rifle at 12. And her brother... Her little bro- uh, younger brother uh, also rifle at twelve, mm-hmm. and I I took them to uh, Project Appleseed, which is a a. a uh, Do they still have that? Yes, okay. it's still a thing. Um, and Gun it's training part course. Of the, uh, civilian marksmanship program sponsored by the United States government itself, okay. and 
it's mostly voluntary, and they teach you an enormous amount of history. It's meant for children, and they do a wonderful job teaching uh, history regarding the uh, Revolutionary War and events surrounding the Revolutionary War. And they also taught my children how to shoot better than I can, and I learned in the Marine Corps. Um, And my daughter grew up, and then when she was 19, she became a camp counselor at a uh, kid's summer camp down south mm-hmm. and she was the only female range safety officer uh, while she was there so the entire time she was there um and to, and this and today i don't have to worry about my children you know the, the idea that you know that parents worry about their daughters as they venture out into the world i don't have to worry about my daughter because accosting my daughter would be a very dangerous thing yeah yeah um, I, I would like to make an analogy here too, because I uh, I grew up with a relative who was deathly afraid of cars. Uh, she would not get her driver's license. She would, you know, uh, she would freeze up uh, every time she would uh, get into the driver's seat of a car, even if it was just to sit. Uh, she did not like riding in cars at all. You know, if she had to go somewhere. She was, you know, sort of skittish, and she'd be a bit of a backseat, side seat driver. You know, oh, slow down, speed up, or you know that kind of a thing. Now. Uh, if you take that and apply it to guns, right, it's just a thing. That's all it is, right? The way that she eventually overcame her fear of cars was by actually getting behind the wheel of a car on, like, some farmland on a big dirt, you know, unplowed, you know, it's in the rotation of a farm field. So, like, she didn't have to be afraid of, like, crashing into something or breaking too hard and that kind of a thing. Let's go back to Major Payne. Major, you're back on Free Talk Live. Uh, what were you calling about? Man, good God, I hate it when the market flips. <laughs> um, Make well, it quick. Let's see, gun control, right? That's where we were. Yeah, that is where we were. By what? I've always been a harvester. I, I, I don't believe in letting a critter suffer. Okay. Right? But we all have to, we are the dominant species of the planet we were put upon, right? They have reduced me through their legal BS to hunting in Michigan with a club. That's what they classify a black powder gun as. A club? <laughs> one shot, one kill. Wow. That's all you got. I can throw a round ball. What about, can you, can you like, throw hatchets or a bow and arrow or crossbow? Dude, man, I, I, I can... I. I, I haven't practiced for years, but when I was a young warthog, I could stick. I don't know what you know if you know the difference between a full blade axe and a camp axe. Sure. Camp sure. axe is about a three quarter handle. Yeah. Yep. I could stick a camp axe from 35 feet. Nice. Soundly They're unwieldy. Yeah. Stand upon it and get to the limb of the tree. Let's go to Jerome in South Carolina. Hey, when it comes to medical advice about COVID and colds, I'm not listening to you guys. Okay. okay. <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about, but what I want to talk about was this University of Kentucky story that came out this week and how the media is just constantly trying to bury this thing. This is one of the most disturbing stories. What's the I've headline, Jerome? <clears throat> this girl, she's a college student. She was just berated with racial epithets and racial remarks by a white female college student at the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And the only time I heard about it was one time this week 
because all the other major news major news networks are trying all they can to bury the story. And she took well, the story is pretty widely uh, reported here. Once you once you said it, now I hadn't heard about it, but I mean it's it's all over the place. But okay, so somebody gets called Rachel Epithets. Um, should that be national news? And for how long? So look, after what I saw, it should be national headlines. Okay. If you're in college, you're not there to like hear stuff like that. You're there to get an education. Why is she saying all this stuff to this girl? Huh? Why was she saying sounds that? Like a, sounds like what a person that, that has, uh, it's hard to say, but it sounds like she was really having a bad day if she was uh, taking no, she this was out drunk. on somebody else. She was drunk, but you know what? Okay. I go back to the old saying I, looked, I heard, what's in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth, okay? That's what I believe. That's true. She meant to, she's been holding on, she's been, she, that's how she talked like that around her friends and family, and she just couldn't hold it in any longer, Okay. And that was just disgraceful the way she treated that that other girl. There are people that use racial epithets uh, widely, and I find it very, it makes me very uncomfortable, and I will usually tell them about it when when I hear it. Agreed. You know, I was was like at a, at a, a, a restaurant the other day, and I was sitting on the bench across the street from the restaurant, and there was these people playing this music, this rap music, and it was just filthy, disgusting, disgraceful. I said, how can you degrade your culture like that? Why would you spend money on stuff? I would never, st- I wouldn't even listen to stuff like that. I would never put money in nothing like that. It's just disgraceful, man. Pe- people take freedom of speech way too far. Yeah, that's... Way too far, okay? I'm reading the article here. It says she used a, a racial slur. Well, I'm going to just jump to a conclusion here. Over 200 times in about 10 minutes. And wow. that does sound like a rap concert to me. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.